My name's Gerns and you are tuned into Pi Radio, Manchester's number one youth-led radio station. This is Mango Masala, the South Asian show. And my co-hosts are both joining me from stream today. We've got Halima and Simran. How are you doing? Good, thanks. How is everyone? Hey, guys. All good, thank you. Halima, I've just seen your screen name. Do you want to announce what it is for those that can't see it? I can't even see it. Halima is the best. (laughs) What, you actually expected me to log on with my actual government full name? No way. (laughs) Oh, yeah. How is everyone doing? Um, Where is everyone? Um, Simran, you're in London, right? Or Slough? I'm in Enns. I'm in Slough. Mm -hmm. Big up. any time. Pardon? You coming back? Well, you coming back for your masters, aren't you? But are you going to be like back and forth or? Guys, big life update. Oh my god, what? I haven't told you guys because it's not so yet. But oh my god, this week has been a whole whirlwind, and all it is, I've reminded myself that it's okay to juggle your whole life plans in the middle of it all. It's okay. What? Oh well, basically, I'm going to be doing a different masters now. Oh, okay. Interesting. What are you doing? Um, instead of clinical psychology, I want to go into occupational psychology. And basically, actually, it's probably a good talk point. In first year, I went to a freshers' fair, and I always thought I wanted to do occupational psychology. I went to the occupational psychology like booth stall thing, yeah. and the guy came up to me, and he was like so mean and like so like blunt and like not nice, like blunt about it. Um, mm. He was like, what do you think occupational therapy is? I explained it to him, and he was like, no, 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 you're wrong, you're wrong, it's this, 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 and he went on about it for like 10 minutes. And I just like, was like, okay, he must know what he's speaking about, so obviously I'm wrong. Um, yeah. I never readdressed it again and just thought like, okay, like didn't really think about it, obviously just kind of took his word for fact, and then mm. thought, oh, what I need to be doing is clinical instead. I know obviously I could have literally just Googled it and found out myself, but I just went off like what this guy said to me because I thought obviously he knows what he's talking about Mm. and the other day I realized actually what I wanted to be doing was occupational and what I explained to him in first year was right um and he was yeah so I've like rejuggled basically what I want to be doing but my bit of advice is don't listen to the people at the freshest fair stores and don't listen to someone just because they're older than you. Girls yeah. don't listen to someone just because they're a male and yeah. don't listen to someone just because they're in a position where it looks like they know what they're doing because a lot of people in the positions are winging it just like you and me, you know, yeah. like we're just all kind of getting through life in the same way and like just because someone is supposed to be knowledgeable about a thing, it doesn't mean you can't second guess them and clarify your own knowledge and stuff. And that was just my like, naivety at the time showing and kind of like not being confident enough to second guess other people and now it just shows that like if you really want to get somewhere in particular you really need to like be knowledgeable about something then you need to get your information from multiple sources and you can't just go off the first thing someone says to you mm-hmm. that's my advice but yeah i will explain it to you guys properly like in depth in the week sometime like, when it all gets sorted excited but, you're gonna be there yeah. That's the thing. Oh, yeah. rotted. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, touch wood, it happens the way that you want it to happen. No, like, exactly. I think as well, it's especially like you shouldn't like put anything on yourself for not wanting to second guess people. Like, yeah. the fact you had that knowledge at 18 that you are actually right, but it just like 
when you go to uni it's your first time being independent you're never gonna like think oh this yeah. person that's a few years older than me is, is wrong mm -hmm. you know what I mean so yeah I suppose that is a really good message to give to people just don't take one person as their word is gospel you gotta go and like do your own research but yeah um moving on to the first topic of discussion today so july 19th is the set date for when we're meant to be ending lockdown obviously the initial one was 21st of june now it's july 19th but before then or around then there are certain events that are being allowed to go ahead such as obviously the euros match the finals at wembley i think they've got they're going to have like significant crowds there also wimbledon the tennis um and we were just thinking it's a bit weird how events like those are allowed to go ahead without any sort of um obviously they have some restrictions but they basically they're allowed to go ahead whereas stuff like carnival um has been cancelled so far in advance without any effort to actually try and let it happen it, so yeah. what do we think about that i think it's interesting like the racial aspects of these events and that carnival was typically like an afro-caribbean based event as we've seen in the past with celebrations like eid being cancelled two years in a row mm -hmm. i think to the bama community who they pretend to care about so much and try and prioritize and celebrate the multi-ethnic nature of this country it is a massive kick in the teeth that these like typically european slash white-led events like the euros and wimbledon and very like english nationalism based events like the football and stuff being allowed to carry on with with sorry with crowds of thousands of people i think it's a kick in the teeth yeah i mean it's definitely pick and choose like it just goes to show like how much of a sham the government kind of um handling of the pandemic is because it's not just it's not just wimbledon and like the football that's allowed to go on there are even just bare bookie rules man like i saw somewhere that if you're if you work for like a, a, an international company like boots for example that you're allowed to travel like, oh i saw that how, how does that make any sense like if if there's a risk there's a risk like it's mm. not covid is not going to be like okay no this person you know they're a business person they need to be here let me not infect them it doesn't work like that um so the fact that like the initial admission that that it is all that these decisions almost appear to be arbitrary is an important thing to like understand the fact that it's they're not actually basing this off science is really whatever they want to decide right yeah. Um, and then when you see how deeply like institutionally racist this country is, it, it's mm -hmm. not surprising that they'll decide to allow the football and, and the tennis, but then not make any attempt to accommodate carnival, you know. Another example as well of this whole rule bending. Obviously, last week we were discussing the Matt Hancock situation at the time. Um, he yeah. was still in his position. Then mm -hmm. a few hours after we had had our show last week, he actually went yeah. on to choose to resign. Now, mm -hmm. why is it that Boris Johnson did not fire him for clearly just breaking the rules, not only the government rules, but the government rules that he was in charge of? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Like, Why would you not remove someone from their position? It's just... It, it's, it's and also, actually... like... Oh, sorry, Carla. Now, go on. I was just going to say, it's a bit mad, like, he really, like, oversaw a whole pandemic that killed 100,000 people, and 
I mean, his handling, no matter what side, where, what your political orientation is, everyone can admit his handling of the pandemic has been abysmal. Um, 100,000 people, that is an unnecessary amount of deaths, right? And why was that not the reason why he resigned? Why yeah. was it? Because of his yeah. personal sexual promise, like promiscuity. Why was it not the fact that he was literally incompetent at his job? Mm. Like, right at the very start, I know, like, he was um, sending um, people from care homes um, who had COVID literally back into the care homes. Like, yeah. how... how yeah, any, yeah. That's not even... You don't even need to... Why would it not track and trace? I mean, track and yeah. trace, we, we all know, is literally a money laundering system. Why was that not, not the thing that uh, made him resign? Why mm. is it literally him having an affair? I mean, which obviously, again, morally wrong, but compared to bloody helping the facilitating the the, the death of a hundred thousand people in the pandemic and like money laundering hello uh, i don't know those like government ties especially within the tory government they go so far back that they're like these guys are boys like we don't know these yeah, guys right. have, like, they have like um estates and they have like family affairs with one another like they all yeah. they go generations back like that's what i think a lot of people like forget sometimes that like Boris Johnson is looking out for his boy, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, this united front and stand together as if they are like one in this whole thing. But obviously when it comes to stuff like a hundred thousand plus unnecessary deaths, the money laundering, the COVID contracts and stuff, that is where I think from the public, we shouldn't turn a blind eye. And it's where we, well, pressure should have been applied to, Bor to Boris to, take action but obviously he's going to ride out for his guy regardless you know and it's only taken matt hancock resigning which i don't think well i don't think he would have gotten fired if it wasn't for the pressure and he wouldn't have resigned if it wasn't for the pressure but obviously he has now but it's mm -hmm. taken this to finally get him out of office a year later after causing this absolute disaster of a pandemic anyway yeah mm. yeah the, like the priorities of the british body politic as well is mental like the reaction to his affair compared to the reaction to his handling of the pandemic just by like yeah. an everyday kind of average you know british person as well has is a bit um... speaking of priorities um also relating to the euros i don't know if you guys seen have you seen him that when it was the England against um, oh, you know, yeah. Germany match, mm -hmm. and the mm -hmm. that little it panned onto that little girl crying, and fair enough, like no one like should make fun of a kid crying, like, but it was like what was more funny was how everyone was kind of digging into her it was more like the thing that was funny was like the like kind of like dry british humor yeah. that was like kind of like taking this what what should be sad this little girl crying and basically making fun of it like and it was well, it, it's mm -hmm. funny like you know what i mean like also kids cry all the time they'll get over it it's just a football match you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. but why has it now they've, they've got a go funny. Yeah, 25k. I saw like what you know what? Let me even do it. Let me I will howl, I will bark, I will sob, I will snot. What do you want? Girls. What do you want? You got it. Halima. I'm not a little white girl at the end of the day, nah. but it's not gonna hit the same. Halima, I have a question. Would you go to an England match? and paint the England flag all over your face and wear an England top and cry on camera just to get 25k. Ah, it's a techie <laughs> one because at the end of the day, yeah, you got to play the system or the system's going to play you. 
Oh, Are we even going to the man? Can you? God save the queen and then man. I want it. But what I don't understand, <laughs> like God save the queen. What is what is the reasoning? Like fair enough. Like I think laughing at like just making fun of her. Fair enough. If people are actually like hating on her or saying like obviously very bad things towards this little girl, that that shouldn't happen. But why does she yeah. need twenty five k? Like what 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 is that in aid of? <laughs> I think it speaks to kind of like a specific aspect of the British consciousness that is quite uh, philanthropic, I would say. Like, I would say that British people generally, they do love a bit of charity, you know? Like, they love to feel as though they're, like, giving back, you know? If we think about, you know, what do we have here? Like, Red Nose Day, Comic Relief and... And um, I mean, there's it's not the first example of like uh, crowdfunding on, on like social media. I mean, it was like what Captain Tom, he raised like 100K, didn't he? Or more than that. Yeah. I do think there's a part of the British consciousness that is quite like philanthropic in that way, but just deeply, deeply misguided. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess as well, like what what that what that philanthropy speaks to you know for example someone like captain tom you know he was like an old war veteran i think so it, it is easy for the british public to resonate with him and give him money you know this girl she's you know like a young innocent white girl again easy to recognize as someone that they want to be philanthropic with something like comic relief that's all white saviorism again something for that resonates with the british you know uh, sensibility of philanthropy so it's all very uh, pick and choosy of who they want to support and in terms of this one situation with this young girl there's no actual aspect of charity here like there's no i don't understand where this money's being put towards i'm sure they were fine like before the game without the 25k i don't know if they like have maybe come out that they're struggling financially either way i don't know why her crying online would make any difference to people needing to give the money like other you know families aren't struggling financially across the globe um this one's confusing because while people like the whole white saviorism thing is very pick and choosy and that when the faces that need the help are black and brown we don't get any of the support needed however this is one where i just don't actually understand why money to start the crowd there was it called the crowd funder whatever they're called yeah, yeah. Whatever, I think that's like a social like new social media phenomenon like crowdfunding i think it's just yeah. someone needs help or something whenever calamity strikes that is what kind of people turn to i think on social media is like a new phenomenon and I understand, like, legitimate causes especially like when it's one person like i've seen a lot of crowdfunding when say there's somebody who's transsexual for example and they're like mm. out of the house and their family are really against it and they're going to be homeless and then people from that community or outside of the community who want to be allies will go and finally support that person to get on their feet those are kind of examples of crowdfunding that i can appreciate and understand why they exist crowdfunding for like really big geopolitical issues i don't understand because a those should be handled the funds really go towards and stuff like this just confuses me what is actually the charitable case in this situation mm. Uh, yeah, but I mean, the girl was crying because she loves football. Her team lost the football game. Don't understand. I'm sure people have cried at like all football games and cricket games and rugby games and whatever. Do you know what I mean? I think it's just the the just someone must have done it out of some kind of misguided 
sense of philanthropy and then everyone else just joined in like I don't know. Twenty four thousand pounds worth of joining in. I'm telling you, I will go live on camera and howl and bark. Listen, I've looked it up and English apparently on my face. I've looked it up and apparently it's they've um, done it because of they basically in response to the tweets. They said they saw the horrible tweets, like quote horrible, <laughs> and that was why they rose the raise the money to show the little girl that not everyone from the uk is horrible that that's the reason i mean i'm sure there were horrible tweets because when something like this always happens obviously the funnier probably more light-hearted ones are the ones that tend to go the most viral mm. i'm sure there probably were some darker pretty mean ones in there somewhere but yeah there was i i, I personally i did see some like a photo set of people saying, you know, cry, you little Nazi, and stuff like yeah. that. Like, there were some horrible messages, but I was going to say it really does speak on the fact that this like post-war attitude within Britain as well. Like, it's almost what? Like, yeah. that we have this weird superiority complex of like this war that happened nearly a hundred years ago still means anything, guys. That we want it and everything, and like that still portrays the Germans to be bad people, which I think is awful. And you look at how Germans speak about the war and they speak about their history of like Nazi Germany and stuff like that, they are very like still apologetic, they're so respectful about it. They really like emphasize the depravity of the situation, but they don't bury it away, they don't pretend it didn't happen, they acknowledge it with like full recognition and they speak about it very openly and i think that's the best way to do it they literally are not saying oh if we forget we're forgetting our past it didn't happen but they're saying this is what happened it was abhorrent and here's how we rebuild from here and then you've got us on the other side calling like a little eight-year-old girl a nazi and still talking about like oh if you'd won the war blah 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 blah. first of all we didn't even win the war without help of like a whole bunch of other countries in america and stuff like that and secondly that was years ago none of these people were there it means nothing no i was having this conversation with my family britain has an obsession with the world war mm. like, they are literally obsessed with the world war. and it's and it's exactly the reason why they're still to this day obsessed with um figures like churchill um mm. well, am i frozen guys no okay okay yeah it's the reason why they're still very obsessed with figures like churchill and it's because they have this weird obsession with the world war Two, and it is because um that that so in in the wake of like during the world war that was obviously the period of decolonization as well that was the end of empire so the war ended 45 and then throughout the 40s 50s and 60s basically empire the british empire had completely come to its knees right so now in the post you know colonial period britain is grappling for a sense of national character because for centuries before that its entire national character was created in line with its you know colonial prowess so the the last thing that they look to is the war and their position in the war and because obviously they've taken a stance again against the nazis for them that was like oh my god we that that was indicative of some kind of moral superiority especially in the wake of decolonization where their morals were questioned as the colonial powers the colonial heart right um and and again there was a lot of kind of uh identity uh, anxieties after in the wake of decolonization because they had been known as this great colonial power and all of a sudden they're not so they really clung onto this like war history um and their role in the war and their position in the war as a means of constructing like british public consciousness 
Mm-hmm. So that is why they're so obsessed with the war. Yeah. It's crazy. Like even something as as like benign as a football game, you know, mm. politicize that to be again about some kind of moral issue of Brits against the Nazis. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hypocritical, like Simran said, because Germany are, you know, for all they did wrong, they are quite self, you know, relatively self-reflective about their history. Whereas somewhere somewhere like Britain. I mean, if we see a British girl crying on TV, no one's going to be calling her a, a colonizer the same way they call a German girl a Nazi, you know? Mm. That's very so, true. We're probably going to have to move on from this point now, but one thing that I just wanted to touch upon before we move away from COVID, lockdown, etc., was just, I don't get... I've seen so many articles around where they've been, like, phrasing it as post july or doctors are saying post july 19th we'll still need um some restrictions or andy burnham is still for masks post july 19th and i'm kind of just like well what do you expect like do you really want to like you know what i mean like go right back to everything like what do you think is going to happen do you know what i mean i'm kind of like why is that news yeah i'm terrified I'm really terrified. The first day in office, because obviously he's replacing Matt Hancock now. This, how can this guy come on and say July nineteenth? We're getting rid of all precautions, whether COVID likes it or not. How can you say that? He's spoken pers- personally to COVID. Has had a word. He's <laughs> run on a bit too long now. Uh, well, ter- this man is terrifying. And it just, you know what? Another thing as well. I'm sorry. I know we're moving on, but like, you actually don't have to be qualified. You actually, this man was. How many different positions has this man held in government, and now he's a health minister? What actually, what actually qualifies him to be the health minister? Because they just be assigning people to whatever becomes available. whatever. They just be just juggling them all around. Oh, yeah. As Sadiq Khan. Anyone says. out there who ever has imposter syndrome, any any black and Asian or like any person of color out there who has imposter syndrome, like I know that BME people often do. Listen, put that, put it in the bin. Put it in the bin. If that man can get government positions not being qualified, you can do anything. Well, as Sadiq Khan said, it's always great to see fellow children of bus drivers doing well. Oh, my so, God. Yeah, we, oh. we, won't, we won't go into That's that. I'm so from him, man. Yeah. Anyway, moving on, a bit more light-hearted, Love Island. Are you guys up to date? I'm not going to lie, I've not actually been watching it, you know, this year. I'm not into it this year. It's just not doing it for me. I know Shannon's out there, which I'm pretty sad about. I I did see a headline today that was like, the reason why they kicked Shannon out was because she refuses to play the game. Mm. And I don't know what that was all about. And yes. also, I don't really understand what the game is. Just because point, during, one, Island, you know? during one challenge, she didn't um, kiss someone. Uh, that's oh, good... you actually refused to play a game. I thought, yeah, I thought it was like refuse... a metaphorical game. She didn't refuse no, but to I think, play. you're also right. I think you're also right about the metaphorical game. I think this game. I think that the show is literally punishing girls that refuse to, um, like obey kind of or 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 entertain men that they're not interested in it's like everyone in the show was expected to have a love interest um and because she was very kind of not not uh compromising what her 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 preference or her standards were just to pretend to like someone i think but I think every season there's always been like a few people in the cohort that don't end up finding love and there's always a friendship couple or someone yeah. that has to anyone i do think it probably has something to do with the fact that i think shannon was the best if not top top two and not two to be honest the best looking one in there 
um, and that they probably wanted her to hit it off instantly with someone right. or that RM guy or whatever. But it is not fair to punish someone for not wanting to, you know, consensually act on something. Yeah. And obviously the games do have, obviously I'm not saying that they're promoting um, not ha- con- obtaining consent for a sexual act, but obviously these games do have an air of like, snog the person for 30 seconds and like just do it you know like there was no really there's no element of choice in it and mm-hmm. she exercised her choice and she got punished for it which is basically showing girls that like if you want to be an, on this type of tv if you want to be on love island you have to be ready to comply in yeah, all circumstances. yeah no mm. I, I just Sorry, go on. I just don't understand, like, it, it. obviously what we're discussing here, we don't know for certain as to whether that's the reason why she left so early, but I just don't understand why they removed her, because she's a fan favourite, everyone is fuming that she's gone yeah. out of her, I don't understand. Well, that's why I think a lot of people on Twitter are saying that they're definitely going to bring her back, they're definitely, like, even when... Yeah, even I think they will, you know. The first thing my mum said, she was like, she's coming back, she was like, there's no way they're... Um, gonna kick her up because she everyone loves her like obviously she's got a lot of um the bame community supporting her and like i said i think she's the best looking girl in there as well so but then i um, thought i, I thought, think they can't afford to not bring her back and also she had personality and stuff like she wasn't just boring like i she was a fan favorite for sure this is the thing i thought they were gonna do that but then she's gone back on her instagram now so she's oh, been she... yeah she's given her phone back so like that implies that she is just gone for good. But I'm just like, that's... Well, she's going into bigger and better things because she doesn't need that then. Now she's got her name in there. Like, everyone's seen her on there. Everyone fancies her. She can do... She can move on from that and, you know, do what she wants to do. She doesn't have to fit in the box now of Love Island only. And then, obviously, you know, potentially be... I won't, I won't use the word force, but, like, encouraged or coerced into doing things that she might not be comfortable with on national TV. Mm. Very true. I do think they were, I do think they were unfair on her. I do, but mm-hmm. that's the game, isn't it? <sighs> well, hopefully, we end up finding out exactly why it was that. I'm surprised they haven't released this, released a statement because, like, come on, like they need to they need to like like what's it called like stand up for themselves okay. and say like what why they've done this because it's never been done before, and I don't think it was planned because they've never like announced a recoupling. Um, and not said the person who's left will be dumped from the island. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It was literally last, yeah. yeah. It was very weird. Like, it was a very, like, ulterior motive behind it, but I honestly can't figure out what it is other than, I guess, maybe this game thing. Mm. But um, I suppose, I don't know what other reason it could be. Like, I just, it's it's frustrating because, like you said, like, normally when that happens, that person is able to have the chance to be single for a while and then they'll introduce other people and they can recouple from that and then people get people get kicked out a bit later on, right? Not that early. Yeah, it's ridiculously early. Like, no chance to even, like, do anything. Like, it's mad. Right, on to the next. I'm going to talk a bit about the Olympics. Um which and not i'm gonna like give a bit of a spoiler none of it is that overwhelmingly positive um um definitely race embedded within the majority if not all of it so the first thing that i wanted to talk about is the fact that they've announced that they've banned a specific type of swim hat so a black owned swim brand that creates inclusive swimwear has been rejected from being approved to be worn at the olympics this summer 
Soul Cap, which is designed to accommodate for diverse hair types in swimming, has been denied by FINA, aka the Federation for International Competitions in Water Sports, for um, from their approval process to become certified to wear for competition swimming. They've said that t- FINA have said that to their best knowledge, the athletes competing at the international events never use, neither require to use caps of such size and configuration. They've described them as unsuitable due to not following the natural form of the head. Now, I don't oh, know. Yeah. this is sounding a lot like eugenics to me, guys. I'm not gonna lie. What is this? Like, uh, oh my god, this is so ridiculous. I mean, okay, so we've said diverse, diverse hair types. What are we talking about? We're really talking about black hair, right? Yeah, basically. Um, it's just racist, isn't it? It's actually just, it's just racist. I don't understand. I think... Oh my god. No, I was just say I don't understand like what the reason is for like. Like, I was gonna say, I think for the governing body to make such a statement and be like, there is no requirement for these types of caps in um, water sports in the Olympics or whatever, is such a like, again, kicking the teeth to the athletes themselves. Like, get the opinion of the athletes that are competing and ask them if they need these swim caps and if that would help their performance or if it would make them feel um, better included within the water sports community or in the Olympic Federation and if that would benefit them. If they said, oh, we actually don't need these caps, like the ones that we use that are regulation um, approved already are fine, they do the job, that there's not a difference in whatever, whatever. Um, then fine, I guess you could reject the claim because then that would that would go for any other type of clothing that might may or may not benefit an athlete in any sport. But the fact that they haven't c- consulted the athletes and then this is blatantly discriminating against you know like type four afro like curlier thicker hair types mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is blatant discrimination against the Afro Caribbean community and basically saying that we cannot include you within the water sports community and it's completely excluding them and basically saying that if you want to be a member of this community if you want to compete at an olympic level we can't accommodate you and also like you have to you have to you can't just ban something because you don't deem that it's being it's being used right because then you can't ban something that's not being used should only ban something the olympic olympic federation should only ban something if it's detrimental if it gives someone an unfair advantage right mm-hmm. now the, the the basis for them banning it from what it sounds is what it doesn't follow the natural head head shape or something yeah i think because if you've seen the caps it basically allows you to have your hair like yeah. at, at the back you know how right. normally, normally swim caps um they're kind uh-huh. of uh-huh. Um, over yeah um, what's it called like european style hair they kind of slim it to the head whereas this the hair is actually held at the back okay so what so cool what we're gonna call this we're gonna call this white supremacy because it's really assuming that white european hair hair is the norm it's not accounting for the fact that different races have different hair types and therefore will need different accommodations for those hair types how are you going to say that's not the natural hair, hair type or that's not the natural head shape or whatever the hell else when there's literally a whole demographic of people who have this hair who need this accommodation? Also, are not, you okay? not going to lie, if it was going to do anything, surely those caps would actually have a, what's it called? Hindrance, neg- yeah. hindrance because realistically, that's going to add more weight, which is going to prevent you from swimming yeah, as fast. Dynamic, yeah. So like... But then the athlete's choice if they want to wear the hat or not. 
And mm. if they think it would disadvantage them or not, you know? Yeah, exactly. But just the basis of, oh, it's not the natural, like, how dare they? Like, this is literally white supremacy playing out in real time. How yeah, it really is the word. Like, it really is the word. Like, that is just basically saying that the default, you know, type of head shape or the default being the default way yeah. to be is what follows Eurocentric beauty standards or, you know, standards of the self. And that in, set, in, in itself is inherently rooted in racism guys and it's it's because now we're talking at an olympic level here that yeah. athletes have trained their whole lives to not be included within their sporting community because of the type of hair they have so what's the alternative here it is so like so deep rooted this thing is so absolutely insidious because if you go back to like, the very roots of like racism and slavery and the way that the the black body for example was um iconized it's exactly the same kind of rhetoric right that obviously during the time of slavery it's this idea that that black bodies are not um they're not they're not they're subhuman right so then they would literally attribute certain kind of like um they would analyze their hair and their skin and and all of these things and their the bone structure and all these things as proof of why they are subhuman but that kind of sentiment is obviously still existing to this day because we're talking about the science of difference right um the fact that like someone might have different hair different skin or whatever the hell else and back in the days when you know the slavery was ongoing and colonialism was ongoing that these differences were used to justify the fact that black people were subhuman but you're still here using the science of difference to this in this day and age like you can't uphold that knowledge requisite in that you can enforce it on people by banning certain types of clothes or whatever and excluding them from the communities in which they've worked so hard to excel in, you know, and you can't use that basis of knowledge that was so inherently wrong, you know, supported eugenics, rooted in white colonialism, rooted in slavery, to now, in 2021, use that as a basis to tell people that, we are not that we can't accommodate you but we won't accommodate you yeah exactly that's what it is we won't because like we said it's not giving any of them an unfair advantage it's mm-hmm. literally they are they're just they've said that this is what the norm is you are not conforming to the norm and therefore you're excluded and also like i said ask the athletes if they had the need for it then go off what they're saying and if they feel like it advantages them or disadvantages them in any kind of way then it's their choice to use it if it was like a disadvantage obviously not an advantage but that's their choice to then use it don't just make the statement based off of your knee-jerk reaction as the federation to be like oh this is just not approved and this is not natural head head curvature or whatever they're saying like mm-hmm. you don't you don't get to represent a whole community in which is being suppressed here yeah, yeah, exactly. No. I mean, the other thing that's happened um, is that um, Shikari Richardson, has, mm-hmm. she's a sprinter, and she has received a one-month ban um, after testing positive for marijuana and is therefore set to miss the Tokyo Olympics. So to give a bit of context over this, um, she's oh. 21 years old. She... Um, won the 100 metres at the US Olympic Trials in um, Oregon in June and earlier this year ran the sixth fastest time in history. Um, however, these trials... Got a lot of clout. Like, yeah, like she yeah. She's a lot of deal. And um, the trials were just a week after, sadly, the death of her mother and she yeah. had used cannabis in um, Oregon as a way of coping. Now, mm-hmm. again, bear in mind the details of this it's it's weed 
and it was used as a coping mechanism and it was in Oregon where it's actually it's not even that it's, it's, it's not even that it's legal for him um, oh um recreational medicinal purposes it was it's literally legal like you can yeah. you can smoke it wherever yep. so yep. why why then does that affect her being able to compete in the olympics do we think that's fair absolutely not again this got this speaks to a very very established phenomenon in america right where um ah god guys i'm sorry to do a history lesson again but like this is so deep rooted you know like um during the reagan administration you know his war on war on drugs his war on crime and all that kind of stuff this is where they disproportionately criminalized drugs like weed um and and you know how they like made crack cocaine basically for the ghetto basically because they needed to put uh black people in prison um for 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 use of slave labor um for those who don't know like you can go on and research i won't go too much into it but um that it was during so so there's an actual like political and historical contingency um regarding the criminalization of, of weed in the u.s where it was literally used specifically to criminalize to disproportionately criminalize and and incarcerate black people right and we see the exact same thing that 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 kind of um legacy is still playing out today where black people in america will be as i said disproportionately incarcerated and and, and sentenced for weed use and then you have um white americans that are creating cute businesses there's literally like you know the mm. white suburban mom yeah creating cute cute cannabis you know bakery businesses and and I, it's just it's actually ridiculous it's it's so ridiculous it's like oh man i just i don't i mean the whole yes um i mean she knew that this was going to happen so i mean if you're going to play devil's advocate you could say oh well she knew the rules she knew this was the case um, fair enough but it, it's the rules that don't make any sense why is it that mm. if you use also let's be honest weed is definitely not a performance enhancing drug if anything no it's, it's gonna, not it's, it's not gonna, like if you're if she's a runner if she's smoking it, that's gonna have a negative effect and also it's weed so if anything it's gonna like slow down you slow you down and like make you more sluggish etc so you could only... and this is them punishing her like they're just mm. punishing her because of racism like i'm just gonna be honest that is what my verdict is i think it's just racism and it's the same it's just exactly the same reason why why like i said black and um black men black men and women in america are disproportionately incarcerated in american prisons for weed, weed use and then you have white people white americans that are creating businesses cute quirky businesses that get cute quirky media coverage and cute cute quirky marketing for these businesses for the same weed use mm-hmm. that's that's all it is that's is literally what the root of it is there really is two americas like when honest they say that like, true honest to god I don't know. Well, it's, it is just it's diabolical and it's, it's so it's it's they're they're just they are actually just punishing her Especially when you take into consideration, like we said, that the whole reason why she was even smoking weed in the first place was because she just lost her mum, and that was her, that was her yeah. way of relief. And I know, obviously, in the UK, we are like 
governmental stance is that weed is, I think it's a class A drug. Um, but in the UK, where she, uh, sorry, in the US, where she was in Oregon, it's available for her to use however she wants. She was, she wasn't breaking any law. It was completely legal. Why is it that then that goes and affects her ability to? Uh, it, it's not like she was taking steroids or anything like that. That is then going to help her win. It, like we said, if anything, this is going to actually negatively affect her performance. So yeah. it doesn't make any sense. I d I don't know. Yeah, and like the the coverage the coverage surrounding it is so racist as well, the way that people are kind of talking. I saw this tweet today by this it was a white woman and she was a verified account, so I don't know who she is, but I mean she's someone worthy of verification, I guess, by Twitter standards. But um she was literally you know like how when she did the trial she had like acrylics on, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, this woman was like, oh, I don't know if these nails are real or fake, but I do know that steroids uh, makes people grow stronger, longer nails. Basically accusing her of now being on roids. She's just better than you guys. You're salty because she's better than yeah. all of you. My nails can grow like that long and be like blue with like clouds on them. And that's like, yes, what kind of steroids? All right, I want those steroids then. That's Bro, the how can this girl have gem- gems on her nails? And this white woman is out here saying, Oh, I think it's steroids. No, she's just better than you. That's all it is. Ridiculous. Just to be clear as well, we're, we're, not, we're not um, advocating the use of any type of drug that is bad. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Whether that be steroids or weed, obviously it's illegal in the UK. Don't do drugs, kids. Um, but yeah, we basically what we're saying is she hasn't done anything illegal so why is that preventing her from taking part in the olympics cool so the next topic we're going to be talking about um trigger warning might be a bit um sensitive for some people obviously it's quite serious um halima seeing as you brought it to the table would you like to take the um head on it basically um yeah so it was just like a sky news article um talking about virginity testing it was a specific um instance that the specific case that they gave about a young bangladeshi british bangladeshi girl um from london who was taken to like a, a harley street clinic to get um virginity tested but virginity testing for those who don't know is basically when women are tested to see if they're virgins which okay we'll, we'll get to that so so yeah this article basically talks about her experience and um it's quite common in in kind of like um south asian arab middle eastern um countries when women are well this is what the article kind of says like when women are um getting ready to to get married you know when they're going through like an arranged marriage process because the groom side will want proof that the girl is a virgin because that affects her kind of uh, viability and her desirability in the arranged marriage market um and obviously the girl who was the victim this time around was just talking about how traumatic her experience was and, and things like that. Um, and I mean, so I kind of wanted to, I mean, th- there's two conversations I think that need to be had here. Number one is that, that this thing is like objectively a bad thing, right? Um, which we will get into, but also like number two, Western coverage of of things like virginity testing and the way that they attribute it to, you know, primarily to uh, the global South and global South communities, you know, like Muslims in particular, um, because there was a point in the article where they talked about 
um, they compared it to like gender-based violence, such as FGM, you know, female gen genital mutilation and honor killings and things like that. Um, a lot to unpack here, a lot to unpack. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe the first thing to, obviously to us, it's obvious as to why this is wrong, but shall we just cover as to why the concept of virginity testing is A, wrong or shouldn't take place, and B, how it's completely illogical anyway, like as to how they're doing it? Yeah, I mean, virginity is a construct. <laughs> in the first place and it is to do with kind of like this idea of a woman of obviously like main male entitlement over a woman's body and the idea that a woman's um virtue is therefore the man's virtue the man that she's attached to is is that his virtue is attached to her virtue um uh it's it's kind of, oh i just got a, a my laptop I'll need to go put the charger on, sorry. But um yeah, so it's obviously it's obviously really, really messed up because like we said, virginity is a construct is it's tied to the idea of female virtue and male entitlement over that. Um what is virginity testing? How can you test someone as a virgin? Like actually how can you test that? Mm -hmm. Because again, it's just like it's so medically, biologically, anatomically wrong because at like, the female anatomy, you cannot tell how could, how are you supposed to tell conclusively if a woman is a virgin or not? So just well, everything the woman say that it's actually factually it's actually factually like misaligned. Like there is no decisive way of determining whether that someone's right. is intact or not. Whereas right. if you're going from like, you know, like hymen testing, that hymen can break during so many different activities. And uh -huh. not even just like, you know, the common example is like horse riding or bike riding or whatever. It can break in day-to-day -day life as well. You don't have yeah. to do anything for it to break. Yeah, exactly. It can just happen with some women. Yeah. And also some women don't even have hymens. Yeah, some women don't have them. Some some are, you know, anatomically different to others. Yeah. In some ways that a doctor might see one as broken and one is not one. That's just how it's been. And also yeah. someone losing their virginity doesn't even break a hymen in every circumstance. Break exactly. a hymen in every circumstance anyway. So the actual premise of the testing itself mm -hmm. is not does not have any med medically or factual like backing to yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. like as it is so even using that as like your little um test of someone's virtue or someone's saintliness or a female saintliness and you know the virtue of her body is factually wrong and completely misaligned in the fact that mm -hmm. what it is is really is rooted in misogyny and the suppression of the female body and yeah. maintaining and upholding the stereotype of mm -hmm. a woman who a woman who is a virgin has certain qualities versus a woman who is not and the suppression of the women who are not and still upholding the fact that men can gallivant and they can do what they want and they can yeah. kill it literally just go because and there's no virginity testing for men, is there? Yeah. There is not. How do you test if a man's a virgin? Mm. It's a very uniquely, it's a very uniquely female experience, and because it is, and that is because it is very, very deeply seated in misogyny, mm. like this idea of a woman's virtue being tied to her sexuality. Like, what is virginity anyway? And also, like, I just want to add, as a Muslim, um, obviously these these practices a lot of people use islam as an excuse to to engage in these practices islamically islamically a woman does not have to disclose her sexual past to her partner 
like if a woman is uh, comes to get to get married and she's had like she's been sexually promiscuous or whatever else uh, islamically like god has said to the woman if you have you know you've dealt with that in your own way and you've repented and whatever else you know you've come to terms with that with between you and god you actually do not have to disclose that information even to your spouse like god has given that right to a woman and but it's human so it's, it's mortal men that are saying nope i'm gonna take you Harley Clinic to, you know, Harley Street to get you, to get you. What Harley Street Clinic even facilitated this test? That's what I was confused about. And like medical professionals are still being able to administer these tests. Mm. As as a licensed doctor, I would sit back and be like, I actually would refuse to perform that personally. Do you know what I mean? Like what professional clinic is allowing a family to come in and say, please test my like young daughter? That's the girl in the article yeah. when the girl was being interviewed she was saying that like she was hoping that the doctor would kind of pick up on signs that she was really uncomfortable and that she didn't want to be there and the doctor mm. just said oh i'm sorry i've been paid for this service i'm gonna to have to deliver the service yeah you know she literally said to the doctor i i'm really uncomfortable with this can you just say that you've done it you know? yeah and the exactly, doctor yeah. said no and then proceeded to administer the test on her like isn't there some like deep safeguarding issue there like yeah, a doc- doc- did they say her age um or oh, i think 20 maybe yeah i think 20 yeah. like yeah definitely then why does she not have the jurisdiction as an adult like yeah. you know as an over 18 year old adult to be able to you know ask for the test to happen or you know have the right over everybody to say no yeah it is how I think that's the thing. I think it is rooted in misogyny as to why these tests are still a thing here. I think if, like we said, if there was a test to find out whether someone who's male is virgin, then I don't think that would exist anymore because I think but the people in power would have been like, oh, we don't want this to be around anymore. But because it's... If because there, there, isn't, there actually isn't a way to test if a man is a virgin. The same way there isn't a way to test if a woman is a virgin. You can't test it. There's no way to test anyone's virginity. They've just made it up for women mm. because they love to suppress women's sexuality. Mm. That's all it is. It's not real. It's it's made up but i think the reason why it is still allowed to be a thing is because it's happening to women and not to men i think yeah yeah oh yeah 100 yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i, I mean it's not even ti did it yeah so exactly. yeah. yeah so this is this is, the, this is the other thing that needs to be spoken about is the western coverage of it right because they've 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 posited it as a uniquely global south issue um, and they've kind of put it in tandem with other issues such as FGM and honour killings um, and child brides, which are, again, issues that are attributed to Global South, you know, communities. Um, why don't we talk about, like, gender... And the, the article was talking about gender-based violence. Why are we not talking about gender-based violence in the West? Mm-hmm. Like, women are literally murdered and raped every single day in this that um campaign out and it was like nobody wants england to win more than women do because when england loses right. domestic what's got by like 43 percent on the night right of the right and during the pandemic the rise in domestic yeah. i don't know the specific figure but i remember it was seismic um so again it's it's it's, it's so techy because it's like this is a real thing that we need to address and that we need to discuss and talk about right because it needs to be it, ne- it needs to be abolished this whole this whole virginity testing fgm all of these things they need to be gone but it makes it so difficult to have these conversations in earnest when there's another when there's another side of it where people are exceptionalizing it and essentializing it mm-hmm. um 
to, to basically to, to justify racism, mm-hmm. you know. Do you um, know as well, um, my dad's just told me actually, do you know who um, from the West was administered to a um, virginity test apparently? Who? Princess Diana before marrying Charles. Oh really? Yeah. Well I was going to say, it's been a thing that not recently that, it, well, that I've experienced that has ended. I'd say in the last 20 years it's gone, it's definitely decreased but the whole thing of like in the marriage bed on the first night the sheets must be white and it must take yeah. place sleep on a tower and if there's not blood mm-hmm. then literally in some countries risks getting killed yeah yeah, yeah you yeah, can't yeah. Even control if there's going to be blood or not do you know what i mean yeah yeah exactly exactly that doesn't, that doesn't tell you anything whether there is or there isn't yeah but these are not like uniquely muslim or asian yeah. or african issues that literally all. patriarchy is a global system it's a global apparatus and it exists and it manifests you know regardless of how it manifests it exists in every single society in every single community and like we said if you want to talk about if you want to put something like you know virginity testing on t- in tandem with certain things that are like i said that are attributed to to global south communities why are you also not talking about gender violence in the uk you know why are you also not talking about gender violence in the west because so, they love to villainize and they love to emphasize exactly. this narrative of it's very like us and them and we are the yeah. other and we are this kind yeah. of like almost like you said earlier about the slavery thing almost like a subhuman denomination of humans yeah and that we don't abide by the same rules and we have our you know our moral values are questionable and you know we kind of promote practices that are like morally questionable and ethically questionable yeah. and obviously that's not the case because that occurs globally you know yeah. it's a standard yeah. practice these things obviously are there are unfortunately they, they occur but they occur in the west in the east and south and the north but they love <laughs> promote this narrative that we are like with these other people that have come in either through Windrush or through the emigration in the 60s because of like jobs and stuff and you know we're taking the jobs and then we're like we're promoting FGM and gender violence and honor-based killings and incest marriages and stuff like that but that's not the truth of it and it occurs across Europe and across America as well mm-hmm. yeah and ultimately what it does is it derails the conversation that actually needs to be had right yeah. because that now you're talking about like how barbaric these communities are and basically what you're doing is espousing like racist narratives and sentiments and you're just derailing the fact that actually something is happening that is wrong and it's happening everywhere in the world and 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 these women they need help this conversation needs to be had this thing needs this practice needs to be abolished but we can't focus on that because now we're now we're focusing on like finger pointing and ethnic essentialism and things like that you know so I'm very techy in a very in a different number of ways. And you know who um in the article um that you sent, Halima, do you know who um the person who runs a charity relating to trying to prevent this sort of thing from happening? Do you know who she sent a letter to to try and basically get this banned? It was the Home Secretary. Yeah. So pretty Patel. Oh pretty Patel, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. We'll see <laughs> how we'll see how she responds to this. The sad thing is it's very likely that if she does respond to this in a way in which she's going to help prevent this from happening, it will be a way that demonizes the brown community, basically. Right, like, exactly, exactly. This woman, just she's looking for any excuse. She has no loyalties or sensitivities to the fact that she's brown and that she's a woman. She just betrays her both her communities at any given opportunity. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like yeah. that's 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 that, but that's what I mean. Like that's the techie thing again. Like now it's just going to be used as a vehicle to to demonize certain communities and as a mandate, therefore to. I mean, we all know what Peter Patel is about. 
Yeah. A- allegedly. In our, in, <laughs> our, in, our, in our opinion. In, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Pal, it's about one thing and one thing only. And this will definitely be used as a vehicle to kind of help her reach that goal. Okay. I'm just uh, I'm just having visions now if she was to ever become prime minister and be celebrated as the first female prime minister oh. of colour. Like, uh... oh, it reminds me of like Kamala Harris and and what was going on there. Like these times, she's mm. actually a Fed, but everyone's, ev- you know, you know what they're like. You know, okay, you know what? Let me not say anything because <laughs> <laughs> let me not say anything because this is recorded. <laughs> what you're gonna you're gonna get a hit put on you? Is that what you're worried about? Pretty bizarre. I'm scared of her. I'm terrified. I'm genuinely terrified. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not. not. I'm actually not saying anything. I think you could beat her in a fight, Halima. This isn't us saying that. Oh, we I, could want... def- <laughs> I could take her. I could definitely take her. That should be a segment. That should be a segment on our next show. Which politicians will we beat in a fight? In a hypothetical <laughs> situation. Sweetie, I've got him one swift like kick to the knee. In a hypothetical situation, we are not Hypothetically. Doing... But, yeah. Ugh. Boris Johnson, I think, has hands. No, you're um, joking. He definitely does he not. He doesn't have hands. He He's just has terrifying, that man. Isn't he, like, six foot two as well? He does what? not. Are you serious? He does not have hands. He could catch hands, though. No way is Boris Hypothetically. Johnson Okay, hang on. I need to Google how tall Boris Johnson is. He's six two. Swear down. No, nah, he's only one meter seventy five. That's only like five centimeters taller than me. Wait, what? So what's that then? Five foot eight. Oh, he's five eight. Yeah. He's five nine. Wait, this is nearly my height. Simran, how did you get six two? I thought Boris Johnson was a unit. Simran just no. goes to bed like cowering with the idea of Boris Johnson being this giant stomping around everywhere. He's gonna edit this now and just a massive Boris Johnson walking around. <laughs> six five eight. He's tiny. Now I get why he moves like how he does. He's compensating, man. I mean, okay, the tallest politician just said that he's a foot taller than me, but thanks, Alina. You're not the tallest one. The Irish president is only five foot three. Kim Jong Un's only five foot four. Honestly, it makes sense why the all of these male politicians are on smoke. They've actually all got Napoleon complexes. Oh yeah, hell yeah. Bojo, 5'10", 5'9", I'm not going to say Ooh, that. Justin Trudeau, 6'2". Donald Trump, 6'3". No, he's not. He made that up. <laughs> and Serbia's, Serbia's prime minister is 6'6". Six six. Hi, Serbia. Serbia. Hi, Serbia. <laughs> uh, no way. Do you know what this says? While Serbia may not have the global financial and political clout of countries like Russia and the US, it does boast probably the tallest leader. <laughs> okay. Wait, is Serbia's... I think Serbia's leader is a woman. This is a dude. I mean, a very tall woman if it is. I know. Not to assume their gender or anything. Alexander Vucic. Is, is that, are you sure it's Serbia? I've looked up it. It says Anna... Bernabic. It might be um, like an old one, maybe. Probably. Basically, at some point, Serbia had a leader that was 6'6", six, six, and good for Serbia. That's their claim to fame. <laughs> well um, done. Height isn't everything. Height isn't everything. 
Yeah, Carlos, you don't go around overcompensating though, so it's okay. Also, Simran, I'm not gonna. I'm looking at this Alexander guy, and if you want to go for that, go go for it. Like, <laughs> yeah. actually, look what Simran. Let's seriously. I'm such a hype. I'm such a hype like um, snob. Oh really? Like I wish I could just message people and be like, "So, how tall are you?" Before we wanted. To, before Simran, we how tall are you? Five foot five, and I wish I was taller. Swear down. So, what's your ideal height then in a man? Oh, actually, like I do. If I had, if I had my way, six foot four. What? Oh, oh. Why do you think a man that's almost a foot taller than you? For what? It's just a beautiful height. It's just a beautiful height. <laughs> but I'm not a height snob because you are. You just said you are. <laughs> no, because I'm not. I'm not an exclusive six foot plus. We've. I've had. You know, the ends of the spectrum. They're there. Okay, let's okay. let's not get too much into this, guys. We won't. We won't get too much into that, but. <laughs> I'm a high snob, but I'm not a high snob. But when it actually comes to it, I like personality. But I feel like that's what all girls are like, though. I feel like all girls are like, oh, I want a man like this, this, and this. And then when it comes, like, on, like, social media, short men, would you'd, you'd think that short men would just have no chance. But in real life... Short men, where? Yeah. It's because they have to captivate you with their personality first. That's true. So they always have the best personalities, isn't it? It's true. The tall ones are the weirdest ones. You know, I can really see Carlos nodding his head like vigorously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like this conversation now. <laughs> How old are you, Carlos? Five, nine. Five, seven. You're oh, the same height, Carlos. I think I. I mean, I'm going to say yeah, but in reality, you're probably slightly taller with the hair. Like... Because I'm 5'7". So if you're 5'7", what does that make me, Carlos? Like 5'7 and a half? Uh, I don't think you're 5'7". I think you should measure yourself. Honestly, when I say 5'7", I'm pretty sure I'm rounding that up as well. But like... Um, you're not 5'6 something. I, I literally just guessed that you were 5'9". I mean, I am literally wearing these shoes like platforms on as well so like, <laughs> I, I, think like I, I think i'm slightly taller than carlos and i'm five seven. Oh. oh i i don't know anyway you know what age is just not not age height is just a number height is like, just a number yeah age is not just a number do you know <laughs> i used to do so much stuff because i just you know what actually when we first started high school, I was like proper tall. Like I was an early bloomer, like in year seven. Oh, I was like not not like ridiculously tall, but I was like one of the taller people. And then I just mm. stopped in year eight and just didn't grow anymore. And I used to do so much. I used to do like stretching exercises, eating this, that, the other to try and try and get me to grow, and I just didn't grow. It was so sad. It's not even that deep. It's all fake. You know, this whole thing about, like, women want men that are really super tall. It's not when it actually comes down to it. Like, listen, if, you, if you've if you got, if you've got a personality, you've got something about you. It's I true. mean, Carlos, you, you've been in a happy relationship for years, isn't it? So. Yeah. Take there are men who are six four that are single. They don't have what you have. Yeah. They're missing all the girls because they, they can't see them on their level. Like, like, <laughs> or they just rely on their height and they've got no personality yeah exactly like no it's so true they do they massively do those tinder talking about files. talking about height though talking about height though so you know like bengalis are notoriously short mm. as in like i think we were probably like one of the shortest demographics in the world <laughs> i googled it one time and i think like the average height for a bengali woman is like five foot or something and obviously wow. i'm five seven yeah, yeah 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 so i'm like super i'm like really tall for a bengali woman 
Um, and my fa- it stresses my family the hell out. Like they're genuinely stressed because they're like, "Who's gonna marry you?" <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no, they're genuinely. They're like, "How are we gonna get you married? Like you're too tall." But when we'd go to like weddings and stuff like that, and obviously weddings are a place to kind of like network in terms of marriage potentials. And I'd wear like heels. My family and I'm like five ten in heels. If I'm wearing three inch heels, which are relatively short heels, my mm-hmm. family would get so annoyed. My dad would literally be like, "Go and change." <laughs> oh so you're a banana tree. How are we gonna find? your husband this is the thing like conversely i feel like people don't speak enough about tall women and i just think a tall mm-hmm. woman is the most like beautiful powerful thing i've seen like you know when a woman is like 5 10 5 11 i'm just like wow yeah. i love it because i think this whole thing i'm actually starting to come to terms with and see a lot more because i think i'm choosing to engage in those kind of like women on social media is mm. the price of women taking up space and I really like that because I feel like we are trained psychologically to always shrink ourselves a little bit and like hunch in a little bit and create um, mm-hmm. less space that we take up. You know, we sit with our legs crossed and men sit with them yeah. wide open and stuff like that. We like yeah, yeah, yeah. lie on the corner slightly. And the idea to me of a woman being able to sit back like and take up space and stand at like 5'10", I just, it's everything. You know, like, Simran, you know Simran on, on Instagram? Simon Randall, isn't she like five Yeah, and she talked she talked a lot about like how growing up she yes. would always wear like trainers and she would never wear heels because mm-hmm. she was always really self-conscious of what Simon so what our Simon is seeing now taking up space. Um, and, like, now she wears like good like five inch heels, so she must yeah, have yeah, yeah. I love that for her because I just feel like going. Right. So our final thing that we're gonna discuss today is the fact that the north-south divide is very real. Now, Simran, I know you said you've been thinking a lot about this, so do you want to just start things off? It was just that, like, I think having lived up north and down south now, it's just become so evident. And I I just understand why you northerners don't like us. Like, I just get it. Like, I came, I came up north thinking, like, there wasn't any such thing as a divide, didn't have any idea that any of this existed, like literally hardly knew anything about that kind of stuff i think we've said this as well my geography was awful i pointed to Liverpool on the map and it was scotland like it just shows how much i know about like any part of this country that was not like london or the surrounding areas um and it's just it just really plays to like the ignorance of people down here we just don't know anything nor do we take the time to like try and learn anything about the rest of the country and I just think there is such a weird sense of like entitlement that mm. people have here. And like even um so obviously I live in Slough, which is a town outside of London, but we're still like really close to London. But my friend's boyfriend lives in London, he lives in Chelsea, and um he had no idea where she lived and it's just Slough. So like I feel like even like there's this weird like football is a real thing, like it's actually a, a genuinely real thing. Like people in London do not care about anywhere outside of London. They don't know anything about... They will literally tell you that Birmingham is the North. Yeah. I No, 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 but I grew up thinking Birmingham was the North. Oh, I, was, I was born in Wolverhampton. I thought Wolverhampton was, like, the North of the country. I had no idea. They're literally in the Midlands. I swear the county is literally West Midlands. Like, that's the county name yeah. is West Midlands. And it's like, I don't know, people are nicer up North, like... 100 100 i paid 
Pardon? Why, why? Why was it £20? Like, what was so special? I was just London. That is, there's nothing even special. Like, it's, it was like B at one. Like, B at one's everywhere. Um, it's You're joking. Like, you pay 20 quid for B at one. Simran. Everything I'm shuts at like 11 for some reason. Everything shuts at 11 at the moment. Um, it was the only place that was open until 3. So we were like, okay, fine. Like, we'll just stay. Um, so, yeah, and that's not the first time I've done stuff like that. Like, I remember once... 2020 New Year's, so going into 2020, my friends and I were supposed to go to a bar in London. The entry to the bar on New Year's Eve was 50 quid. A train ticket, first class, to Liverpool was 39 quid. We went to Liverpool that night. <laughs> we got on the train and we went to Liverpool. We did our makeup on the train. We had free drinks on the train. We went to the house, dumped my stuff, and then we went out. And it was the whole night was cheaper than the entry. That's ridiculous. Then, then the entry into London. We got into the club for free. We didn't drink in the club. I had drink at home. So we literally just paid for train tickets. And so a cross-country 200-mile train was cheaper than the entry into the club in Holborn. That's mental. And, but it's also not surprising. Like London is generally just extortionate. So basically, I have a lot of... Outside of Manchester, all my friends... I think I have more friends in London, actually, than I do in Manchester. And they're all, for some reason, all North Londoners. Um, so obviously a lot of like some of my friends have come and visited me like here in Manny. Um and whenever they do, they're literally they're always surprised. They're literally like, why is everyone so nice and why is everything so cheap? And now, because obviously during the pandemic, a lot of I mean the way business and employment has changed and a lot of industries are becoming decentralized, so they're moving from they're divesting from London and they're investing in other, you know, bigger cities, Birmingham and Manchester. Um, so a lot of young professionals are now actually moving from London to Manchester. Um, so development in the city right now is is like is really exciting. Um, and so many of my pe- friends from London, born and raised in London, have not known anything outside of London, are literally now thinking of moving to Manny. But oh my god, I, I don't know so know many people like that are. Oh, sorry, go on, Carlos. I don't know if I like that. Like, Carlos, I said the same yeah. thing. I said the same thing. I said, you know what? Step foot in my city. I will rush all of you guys. I was going to say, I, 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 like I know so many people that are, like have plans to move up north now. Maybe not north, but like Midlands to the north as well. Like people don't want to stay in London anymore. Like, honestly, honestly, so many, so many of them. And even like if it's not if it's not young, my you know my friends who are young professionals that want to come here, you know, for work and whatever else. I have friends who are literally planning to get mortgages and settle down and start families mm. here. Like it's, it's, I'm, I'm so open to that idea honestly I can't really see myself living down here and someone said this to me earlier they're like I can't see you living here they're like, they're like London is not for you like and I was like it's really not it's a miserable little city but like, no one likes each other mm-hmm. you know I was speaking to a girl in the bathroom yesterday you know you have like drunk bathroom talks and it's like oh my god I love your talk whatever whatever we were having this combo and she was like I can't believe like you're nice and I was like what and she was like <laughs> She's like, nobody is nice here. And I was like, you know what? To be fair, when you were nice to me back, I was pretty surprised too. Like, because no you're one the nice look on you, man. Everyone's mean as hell. Like, no one no one appreciates what you have to say. Like, no one even wants to look in your direction. I'm not even that bold in London to like be talking to random people. Like, I don't know what got into me yesterday, but it's just done. North, it doesn't North, North has gotten into you. Yeah, no, no, that's the thing. Like, I go out with my friends and they're all like, stop talking to everyone. They're like, what's wrong with you? Because a lot of them go to like London unis or like um, yeah. down south, even more south than London. And um, they literally are like, 
why, why are you talking to everyone? Like, why are you speaking yeah. to everyone? And I'm like, I'm just asking them how their day was. I'm just asking them how they are because that's what it was like. But I remember when I moved to Liverpool, walking to uni and people in the morning, in the morning would be like, morning. I just be like, me? What do you want from me? What do you want? Scousers are very nice though. I was having this yeah. conversation the other day. Like, Scousers, I would say, are like the nicest demographic mm-hmm. in the UK. Honest to God. Oh, for sure. I, I like Scousers and I like Scottish people. I think they're so nice. And Geordies. Oh, really? Oh, I don't really know many Geordies or like Scottish yeah, those, people. Those are my top three people. You love who, sorry? I just love Scousers. They're so friendly. Yeah, I love Scousers. They're just permanently happy people until they're not, and then it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah true yeah. but yeah the north the north reign supreme like t- don't get me wrong like i do like i do really like london and i do think london has like it just have like a certain novelty you know because mm-hmm. it's like cultural significance you know globally london has a cultural kind of it is a cultural landmark cultural capital you can't deny that but in terms of like actually living there and like starting your life there it's difficult. It's not lucrative enough to actually try and start up as a young person, especially if you're doing it quite independently or you don't have like mm-hmm. assets and ties already in London or a real reason to be there. I don't think there is a need to be there as a person in their twenties or as a young professional in yeah. general anymore. It's not really feasible for entering the next stage of your life and starting a family. Like, like it's very hard to like, you know, get on the property ladder and stuff. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, I just don't think there's any real interest in it for me besides yeah. like you know as you said the novelty of it yeah. but like um i remember in first year being in a taxi on the way home once and getting into a very long conversation with this uber driver who was just basically ranting at me saying about how i think he was saying birmingham or manchester technically should have been the capitals of the country and that when like we went from the post industrial revolution the amount of resources that got drained from the north here to oh, London, yeah. which is why, you know, Liverpool mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. obviously had the swan housing and then there was a lot of um, disparity and uh, disadvantaged um, people in Liverpool and, and yeah. other places in the world also. Um, and he was basically saying, technically, it should have been Manchester or Birmingham, not mm-hmm. London. It doesn't make any sense. It's not. And that's why you have such a massive north-south uh, wealth disparity in this country as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not all b- benign, and it's all—it's not all just about like, oh, they're nicer up there. Oh, you know, like it's cheaper up yeah. there. There is, there is like an actual like a deep politics surrounding it, where people in the north, especially, kind of be- because they're traditionally kind of like mining communities and mm-hmm. um, and things like that. Like the white working class was kind of created um, very in a very unique way in the north, right? Um, because of like the industries that were up north um, and and you see that in terms of like government allocation of like budgets and spending mm-hmm. and things like that you know like you go down south and um uh, the thing that always rattles me was like tr- like transport like the the transport down south is so i mean it's great it's really great there's a lot of they get a lot of the budget allocations and then you come up north and it's it's just not we have broke up trains that mm-hmm. come you know once every 40 minutes like it's very, very obvious. Um, I mean, people always say, don't they, that the government are very, very London-centric and they really prioritise um, and, and favouritise London. And it's so true. You know, but it's also, it's not actually just London as well. It's also like, you know, Oxford, Cambridgeshire, Surrey. Oh, yeah, 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 all yeah, these yeah. places, they get so much of like the allocations of the budget. Um, mm-hmm. They kind of develop essentially nothing because none of these places are major cities. Yeah. 
it's just yep. going towards people like that almost touching on what we were saying earlier that people have ties within you know politics and within our society and people that are deemed as important and have estates yeah. and you know people that um hold influence in our society they live in these places yeah. you know almost none of them are northern i honestly put my own fact that probably none of them are northern yeah um, and it really, uh, this whole thing really came into play i think during um the lockdown with andy burnham when he was kind of speaking out against the way the government were handling putting Man like manchester's lockdown compared to like london's lockdown mm -hmm. for example because they're both big cities they're both you know busy cities and like manchester was getting kind of having to face certain lockdowns that london wasn't and london was getting getting away with things that other bigger cities mm -hmm. weren't up north for example um and even in terms of like the money that was given to manchester as well was was way less than like what was given to um london even though yeah, I remember. we're probably we're probably gonna have to like round things off there but like one thing that i just like a leaving point one thing that i wanted to say was about obviously like you do get like nice people from the south like for example simran's come into our lives and i'm not i'm not mad about that <laughs> but like um one thing that i'm not necessarily a fan of is obviously you've said there's an an increase of people who are coming from the south to places like manchester especially influencers and settling down and i think even in the past like set five to seven years i think i've seen the change in the city to go see i say this yeah. all the time i think all the time oh my mm. god it's gone it's it's, it's, it's on its way to becoming a lot more like mm -hmm. i think there's a lot more of a gap between where all the up up street um, posh people hang out and then you've got like mm -hmm. basically the 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 heart of the sea, which is like what what I liked it for. So I'm very wary of Manchester turning yeah. into the London 2.0 and losing yeah. its character. I really don't want that to happen, but I can feel mm -hmm. it happening already, and I don't like it. Liverpool is the move, I reckon. Uh, it will happen to Liverpool it. next. Then it will happen to Liverpool as well. It's just going to get diluted yeah. more and more because the less feasible and lucrative London becomes for young adults, the the people are you know obviously I know you guys don't <laughs> like it. Yeah, we are moving around, but it's actually impossible to kind of start a career here. I think unless you like you know you get into an amazing grad scheme and you like get into like, the big four companies or you get into really like lucrative industries or niche positions, it's very hard to start a average kind of nine to five working job here and make a living for yourself especially as like a single adult or like you know you're looking to get a mortgage i think honestly it's virtually impossible especially having worked in the real estate industry in london in 2019 i just saw like the amount of people we had to reject off of affordability calculators and stuff like it was heartbreaking and it just the reality of like finding your feet in this city is becoming mm. more and more impossible, not just for young people, but also people in their 30s. It's and it for the rich. Like, they are literally orchestrating the city for the rich, you know? You have to, you have, to have really been dealt a hand in life that allows mm. you to um, kind of flourish here. And obviously, the vast majority of people don't have that. So I know you guys don't like that we're all moving around, but some of us have no choice, okay? <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to have to leave it on that this week. But 
Thanks so much to both of you for taking the time to obviously stream in. It's been nice to just have an episode where we're kind of just chatting about various things, both like serious and non-serious. Yeah. Um, but next week we've got a special guest. We've got Casper, who is a Manchester rapper, so he'll be joining us for the second half of the show. But until then, we will see you guys next week. I believe Emma Rose has moved to Tuesdays now, so I think the first time today five till seven will be a new show afro groove with m patrick so definitely stay tuned for that but until then we've got one last tune it's called beautiful dreamer and it's by a manchester-based artist called medley and it was his birthday yesterday so happy birthday to him and happy yeah birthday. we'll see you next week thanks a lot guys bye, bye. bye.